welcome to maybe the best episode in the history of the I Love Success podcast. As you know, what we are trying to do is to help 10 million people in 10 years to achieve their dreams. And we are relentless. I flew to New York to meet with the number one real estate agent in the world, Ryan Serhant. And what you are about to listen to is going to blow your mind. Kick back, relax, and let's get this show started. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm great. I was a little bit nervous this morning when uh, you guys rescheduled. Oh, yeah, sorry. No problem. I flew all the way from Los Angeles to make this happen. I know you were in LA a couple of weeks ago, but we couldn't make it then. Yeah. So I said to meet with this guy, no problem, I fly over. So I was very nervous this morning, but then when I got the call, we make it happen. We're here now. Yeah, of course. And uh, how do you feel about success? Because we're talking in this show, it's called the I Love Success Podcast. What is really success? What's your definition of success? And do you feel successful? I mean, I define success as, as setting and hitting consistent goals and changing them over time, right? I think 2017, I was a success. I had a successful year. I had goals set about how much I wanted to sell, what I wanted to do personally, what I wanted to do in my relationship, what I wanted to do at the gym, what I wanted to do with my team here at the office. I set a lot of goals and I hit them and I exceeded a lot of them. That's a successful year, you know? Success is relative. Like the six, me being successful when I was 10 years old is very different compared to me being successful today. So 2018, I don't know if I'm successful yet. We'll see how the year plays out. We'll see, yeah. So I think that people just need to set realistic goals keep those expectations for themselves and then hit them and then push them every year like a little bit more never set the goals as the same you know that's like where you see a lot of people setting the same new year's resolution every year i'm going to lose weight this year i'm going to lose weight this year well stop setting that as a goal if you're just not going to do it right that's that's follow through um, nothing happens and it's so common, right? Because you might set the wrong goal or you're not motivated enough. And I like what you said. You talked about see life as grad school. When you come to a new city or a new place, the first three years yeah. is like grad school. Yes. And I met, I met with so many people. One guy from Australia, he told me about, he's been sick all his life, basically. He's a motivational speaker now, Michael Crossland. And he said, most people stop when they're like 60, 70% at a goal. Yeah. Because it gets hard, it gets tough. Yeah. And what do you feel about that? Can you just elaborate on the grad school thing and how, how you need to think to really push those barriers? I mean, it's pretty simple. If it were easy, everybody would do it. That's why they say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it blows my mind how people stop doing things when they get hard. When they get hard is when it's actually starting to work. Yeah. Just think about like working out. Like, if it was easy, everyone will be in the best shape of their life. But it's hard when it actually works. Like results take a significant amount of hard work. And my hard work is very different to your hard work, which is very different to everyone who's listening's hard work. So it's all relative that way. And that's why I said success is relative and is set by your individual goals. Um, But, you know, I tell everybody when they're getting into a new business, whether it's sales or anything else, you treat those first three years as like grad school. You know, don't expect to make any money. Don't expect to be rich and famous. Don't expect to have the whole world change. Expect to have three years of really, really tough times, 
Lots of work, lots of work. Expect to wanna quit 50 times, 100 times in those three years. If you stick with it for those three years, sticking with it is 90% of the battle, you'll be set up and ready to go to actually start to be successful by your own definition after that time period. One thing that I really enjoy with you, I've been following you and watching Million Dollar Listing. I like your competitor, Fredrik Eklund as well. We're both from Sweden. Yeah, so he's a great guy as well. But one thing that I really enjoy with you is the morning routines because my latest book is called Super Morning in Swedish. And it's based on about 100 people that I met on the podcast and their morning routines. Oh, wow. So... Let's share your morning routine. I know you work out very hard, which I enjoy. And uh, what else do you do in the morning? Uh, I mean, the mornings are your jump start, right? Think about a house. The morning is the foundation. You can't build a house without a foundation. So if you're not a morning person, then you're someone who wants to live in a house with no foundation. Like it could look pretty from the outside, but inside it's a shit show and it might fall over at any time. Like that's how you have to think of it. So for me, the mornings are the most important. And I wake up at five. Sometimes I wake up at 4.30, depending on the day. Um, But I wake up at five. I go to the gym for an hour, hour and a half, depending on the day. Um, Come back, uh, shower, get ready, eat some oatmeal, protein shake, get into the car at about 7.30, 8 a.m. and start my day. Um, And I like to send emails kind of between that 5 and 5.30 time period in the morning so that people see emails from me when they wake up. It's always been a fun thing for me, right? Because people wake up and then they see that I've already started my day and I'm way ahead of them. So I'm already winning that race because remember, I've got this ready, set, go mindset. So I want to make sure that I'm out there first. Um, And then with the gym and working out, honestly, like I, I don't love working out. Like working out is really hard. I would much rather like sleep in and eat ice cream and watch TV like that. That's way better. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. I think people are like, oh, but they must like doing that. Like, no, I don't like it. What are you, crazy? I do it because I have to. I do it because it's what I need to do to build the foundation for the house that I want to have later on today. And the workouts are really hard because by 7 a.m., the hardest part of my day is over, right? Like, I'm not going to be doing deadlifts anymore. I'm not going to be doing sprints anymore. I'm not going to be doing bench press anymore. Like whatever I do the rest of my day, negotiating, office work, emails, like dinners and all that easy. is easy now. Yeah. Like the rest of my day, I'm set up, I'm energized too, which is great. I feel healthier, I'm awake, but also the hardest part of my day is over by seven in the morning. It's a great way to start your day. Do you meditate? No. No? No, I've tried. I lose my mind. I can't yet. <laughs> Maybe when I'm older. <laughs> Interesting because it's funny because like like 80-90% of the people I met, they wake up early that are highly successful. We talk about Olympic medalists, yeah, of course. big entrepreneurs, and all of those people. And a lot of them actually meditate and some actually do cold showers. So yeah. that's something that I don't know I've if you tried. Cold showers in the past. I do it a lot in the summer just because I'm hot and sweaty. Like I yeah. sweat. You gotta remember, I was a fat kid growing up. I really like chocolate pudding and I sweat <laughs> like a beast. So even now, like I cannot stop sweating after the gym. I have to take two showers. So I take two cold showers just to try to cool my body down. Yeah, yeah this is my second shower today. It's so humid in this city. New York. Yeah, <laughs> New York and Florida, it is so humid in the summer and it's just gross. It's gross. And it rains for a second and then it just sits in the air. Yeah. I remember the first time I became a national champion. Yeah. On the car, I was 18, I was a junior champion of Sweden, and I, on the car way home, 
I, I was like, I should have been so happy. Yeah. But I thought, how the heck could I defend this next year? Yeah. And I had that mindset for a whole year, which is the worst thing to have as an athlete because if you want to defend something, you can never grow anything. Sure. And I was. I trained really hard though, and I won again. But during the years, I changed my mindset to growing and like learning new. And it's not about winning that medal, it's about growing as a human being. Because when I do that, I can do more. And I'm curious with you, this, this is a 10 year journey in September, right? 10 year anniversary. How have you grown as a human being during these years? Oh man, I was the least confident, shyest, most introverted person. I just wanted to like just do theater and do my own thing. And now I'm out there, I'm social, I'm confident, I'm excited about life, I'm a business person. My whole life has changed in the last 10 years. And you even talk to my parents, my brothers, like they're like, you're the same person, sort of, but everything has changed. I talk faster now, like I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm very regimented now, I've got a lot of stuff to do, but all that stuff excites me. Um, and you're right, you know, I spent the last 10 years trying to change every single year through growth. Like my goal with numbers anyway, with sales, was always to double my sales every year. And so far we've been able to do that. Now it's gonna be hard. Yeah, and we did almost so a billion, much. right? Yes, yeah. did almost a billion last year. So I'm not gonna double this year. It's uh, be very hard for me to sell $2 billion this year, but one day I will. So now, now my goals are just gonna take me a little bit longer because they're so much bigger um, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. I love it. I know you're very busy, so I have only three more questions. And three, then all right. Yeah, so let's do this. So analysis paralysis, let's talk about that. You wrote an amazing article, which I really liked. Uh, sometimes I get stuck in that when I want to move forward, yeah. so it has helped me. Can you just talk, what is it and how, how, what should you do? Analysis, analysis paralysis is a disease where you set up office before you do work. And a lot of people have it. They want to start a company, right? They want to start a business. They focus on the office. They focus on the business cards. They focus on the computers. They focus on the branding, the logo. And they never actually sold anything. They never actually did any of the work. They never actually focused on the content. You know, they want to start a band. They're so focused on the band. Who's going to be in the band? Who's going to play what you know, instrument? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Without actually just focusing on the music. Like take care of the music and the music will take care of you. It's one of my favorite quotes ever. You take care of the work and the work will take care of you. And you have to get out of your own way. Like that's what we talk about improv, right? To all the people out there who think they're bad at sales, who hate it, feel uncomfortable, go take an improv class. It'll teach you the power of yes. It'll teach you how to get out of your own skin and just be yourself times 10 in a way that you didn't even know that you could be before. And it's such an amazing feeling to know that you have that ability. And that's how you start just going to work. Like you asked me who taught me sales, no one taught me sales, I just figured it out because I hit the pavement and started working. Some days it didn't work, some days it did work. But more days worked than didn't. And slowly but surely, here I am. But if I had sat there and was like, all right, I got to go get a mentor first, and then I got to read a book about sales, and I got to go do this, and I got to do that, and I got to get my business cards, I wouldn't even be here today. I'd be like so stuck in my own head. Like forget your own head. Trust your gut. Say yes. Figure it out later. Love it. 
have a very cool guest. I wanted to have him on the show for a while. We we first met, I was joking, in the strip club in Vegas, uh, but that's not the case. We actually met at the, an event, Brian Casella's event, Modern Success, about a year ago. And I remember this was pre-pandemic, probably like one or two weeks prior to the pandemic. And my wife was just calling me. She's like, you got to buy hand sanitizers. She's a doctor. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't need any hand sanitizers. And a week later, it was like crazy. There was no hand sanitizers. And I mean, the the rest is history. So I think the lesson there is to listen to your wife and <laughs> um you know, be prepared. Uh, we're, we're still here. And uh, this is a guy who has created a great life for himself and he's still growing in real estate. He's helping other people also, you know, create time, freedom and, and you know, financial wealth by, by helping, helping others, you know, finding a home, which, which, is, which is cool. Uh, so without further ado, let me introduce Chastin J. Miles to the I Love Success podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Of course, man. I I, I would uh, I wanted to have you here for for a long time, and I'm glad uh, we can make it happen. I know you're I know you're a hard worker, and uh, one thing that struck me when I when I listened to your speech that last year was that you you felt so calm, and that's something when I what, what I love to see people that are are in a storm that can stay composed and calm. Uh, because I think for everybody who has started a business or work in like a high stake environment, like real estate or anything else, or your competitor, you, it, sometimes it, it gets a little bit rocky and that composure is, uh, I think, a very good success factors. Can you just talk a little bit about your composure and calm? Were you always like a calm kid or like, where does that come from? No, I mean, I think that the the calmness of the storm comes from, you know, always knowing that the storm is going to pass and always knowing that it's it's not going to be like this forever. Um, I'm, I'm one of those that I'm always seeing the sun peeking out of the clouds, you know, it, and and I've come to find out when 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 people are frantic and they're putting that that type of energy out there that's what type of energy that you start to attract. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a big believer in energy. I'm a, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. And, and I just always know in my mind that, that this isn't the end all be all this, this, this isn't the forever place. This is just a moment. And people know going into business that it's not going to be easy, that it's going to be rocky. There's, I mean, you're going to have moments. And so why not prepare yourself for them and 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 be able to keep your composure? You already knew that it was coming. You already knew that you were going to be faced with challenges, but you want to try to prepare for every other thing. You want to try to prepare for all the, the good parts that come with the business, all the successful parts, but you don't prepare yourself for the downsides of things, you know? And I just feel like I'm a very well-rounded person. Um, to, to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm always preparing for, for just anything, like always looking ahead, always knowing that something's going to happen, something's going to come and I'm going to be okay with it. You know, I'm going to be okay with it at the end of the day. Cause I know it's not the end all be all. 
Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. I want to I go deeper into that. But first, I want to uh, piggyback on what you talked about, the law of attraction. So can you just share how has the law of attraction helped you in your life? And what, what are the benefits like of believing in that? And, and, and how, have you, how have you worked with that in order to, to accomplish success? Yeah, for me, it's not just believing in the law of attraction, you know, knowing that it exists, but but actually living in in that space, you know, living in that in that space where where I know that everything in this world is controlled by energy, you know, or everything in this world is energy. Me, you, um, the buildings, the lights, like everything is energy, and it's 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 very important for us to be mindful of our output you know like like what are we putting out there what are what are we speaking what are we thinking about because all of that stuff tends to multiply and manifest in your life a lot of people when they when they think about the law of attraction it's it's just more so um you know i want money i want money i want money you know and 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 that's that's a good part of it. But then you also have to speak out what you don't want. Like, I don't want negative people around me. Right. I don't want complainers. I'm, 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 I'm a happy, positive person. That's what I want to attract around me. People say to me, Oh, Chasing, you smile so much. Well, I, I want smiling people back at me. So, so <laughs> it, it is what it is, but, um, but the law of attraction it's it's whatever you're putting out there that's what you're going to attract you know and unfortunately people don't protect their energy the way that they need to um i have people who have been around me where we're we're in a, a great real estate market right now right yeah. we're in a great market people are making money left and right homes are flying off the market i mean like people are are having a good time right now so why why are there agents around me that are speaking like this isn't going to last forever? Uh, you better be prepared for when this ends. And you know, and and it's just like live in this moment right now. You know, put out put out good energy for this moment. And why are you setting yourself up already for a crash? In I mean, like where is your mind at? So you know, it's 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 just something that people need to realize exists and it's very important to to make sure that you are protecting yourself and your energy and attracting the right things into your life and your business. Yeah. I think that's, it's interesting what you said that like a lot of people they are already on the next thing. Like this is not going to last. This is, and I think that's with everything we, 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 when something that is really good to us, a lot of people can't handle that. And they're like, no, something bad needs to happen. It It's not true. I mean, shit's going to happen anyway. <laughs> Don't worry about it that too much, I think. But I'm curious because you, you said like, you also prepare for failure. And I'm, I'm a fighter. I was a world medalist in karate. And, and looking back, I mean, I, I practiced a lot of different moments, but I... I don't think I prepared for failure. And I think that's the problems a lot, a lot of times because when, when, when things are happening, just like Mike Tyson said, everybody got a, got a plan until they get punched in the face. So maybe you can share like, how do you prepare for failure uh, as well? 
Yeah, I think that for one, recognizing that that failure exists, recognizing that you're going to have moments where you feel like you you are failing. That moment for me happened pretty early on in, in my career when um, I had gotten so broke that my electricity got turned off. I was about a week or two away from getting evicted from my apartment, barely any food in the refrigerator, gas, all of that kind of stuff. And I was I was doing an open house and I literally had a breakdown in there, had a breakdown in, in the open house because I was just thinking about like my situation and everything that I was going through. In questioning, like, why am I even doing this anymore? Like, like, why am I continuing to go down this road with it being so difficult? You know, and it was at that moment that I felt like I was the ultimate failure. You know, I don't I don't have any homes sold. I don't have any money to show for anything. And I felt like the, the ultimate failure, whereas most people in that moment would have threw in the towel, given up, just winning gotten a job because that's the default for a real estate agent. So I'm just going to go get a job, you know, but I said, no, I said, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this, this happen. But that didn't change the fact that I felt like a complete failure. One of those things that I said to myself is that I will never feel like this again. I had let that moment completely take over me. I had let all of those external things completely take over my mind, completely take over my my dreams and goals. And I said I wasn't going to let that happen anymore. One thing about failure, failure can be disguised. Failure can come in many different forms. Failure can, can be totally unrelated to what you're doing, but it's a form of failure. And, and I had to make that decision at that time whether I was going to let this failing moment, let my lights being turned off, let barely any gas in my car, let all this kind of stuff dictate a whole career in front of me or change the outlook of, of a whole career. I said to myself, no, no, this isn't the end. I will never feel like this again. I'm not going to let these things take over me. And from there, I mean, that was my preparation moment. Like I didn't know what was going to happen in, in the future. You know, I didn't know how how big of obstacles I would face in, in the future. But I knew that I wasn't going to feel like that anymore. I wasn't going to be feeling like a failure anymore. Um, and so even when, when things come, you know, let's just say somebody quits on me. Some people will let that like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I should, I should stop now. Nobody wants to work with me and this and that. For me, it's just a moment. You know, I've prepared myself for moments. I'm not going to go back to that place that I was in. I'm not going to feel like that because I'm I'm prepared now. Yeah. And I, I have a different outlook on it. And it keeps me moving. You know, so sometimes here, tactical. Sometimes you got to you got to go through something. You got you got to go through something. You got to feel like an ultimate failure. You know, you got to be able to, to see and recognize what what failure is. And then you got to you got to make a decision for yourself. Like how many times am I going to let this happen to me? How many times am I going to feel that way? My decision was no more times. That was me preparing for anything that's going to happen in the future. Whatever is going to happen, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to make it out. And I've proven that to, my, to myself. You know, So that's, that's, that's how you prepare yourself for it. 
And the first live podcast is today with a man that I really care about. He's my mentor. I would almost go as far as say he's like a big brother to me. And uh, he's just um, an amazing guy, first of all, in real estate. And uh, he has become really good at that by having this grit mindset, mental toughness. And I know a lot of you out there are struggling with this right now because things are changing. So I want to have this 30, 45 minutes to just share uh, James' tools. So James Suarez, welcome to the I Live Success Podcast. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Let me first uh, start off by saying I'm glad that we are practicing Social distancing. So glad you're taking a responsible, uh, being responsible and doing this uh, via Zoom, via Facebook. Uh, the other thing, man, thanks so much for those compliments. Um, you know, I don't have a little brother, but if I had a little brother, it would be honored to have you as my little brother. So you can be my honorary little brother. <laughs> you know, I think there should be parts of this uh, interview where I turn, uh, flip the switch here and interview you as well, because you know, you're right up there with the top ones as far as uh, grit and hard work and mental toughness. But uh, hello to the audience. And hopefully, uh, you know, I, some of you guys know me, some of you don't. Those that do know me uh, know that I'm, uh, I'm sober. I've been sober for over 17 years. And when you go to AA meetings for 17 years, you learn a lot. A lot of the same stuff is repetitive. But what I always look for is maybe if I can gain maybe one more tool that I can put in my tool belt that I can pull out and use in the future. So I guess what I would suggest is, if you know, hopefully I'll share a few things with you. Uh, I think the goal might be just to look for maybe one or two things that you can put in your tool belt to pull out, especially over the next couple of days, couple of weeks, maybe months. So, But Peter, it's an absolute pleasure, man. Always an honor to do this with you. Awesome. So let's just dive right into it. Thank you for that intro. And a man that I really enjoy as a fighter is Mike Tyson. And he said, everybody got a plan until they get punched in the face. And that's literally what have happened to almost every business in the world right now. So how have you dealt with that personally? Like you have your goals to build a huge real estate team. And then like on that day, everything changes like what's the process that goes through your mind and how have you been able to, to cope with that? Yeah. I mean, everybody's having to pivot right now. You know, I am fortunate that my mentor, uh, Tom Ferry has, um, taught me that I had to have mental toughness in a morning routine. And I think anybody who has a morning routine is big on mindset knows that, this is, these are the times that we've been training for, right? When, it's, when, when things are going our way, it's very easy uh, to gain momentum, but it's times like this, when you get punched in the face, where we need to dig deep as leaders and step up to the plate and face that fear head on. Because the fact of the matter is, you know, this is a great opportunity for a lot of businesses. It's a great opportunity for our business. You know, I keep going back to Napoleon Hill's quote, uh, every adversity, there's a seed of equal or greater benefit, right? Every one-on-one conversation that I'm having with my teammates, I'm showing them where this is an opportunity. In fact, I just got off the phone with, you know, just loving on my team and just got off the phone with one of our newest agents 
and we're in real estate, if you didn't know. And she was putting in a lot of the effort and she finally got her first deal and she was super bummed. She's like, James, I just got the momentum going and just got my first deal. And now I feel like, you know, everything's been put on halt. I was like, Nina, just to put things in perspective for you, if it wasn't for this virus, which let me just preface this by saying it's a horrible pandemic and it's very unfortunate we're having to go through this. But if it wasn't for this virus, that listing would have gone live. That agent, that seller would have called every agent around town trying to get buyers in there. That, you know, a buyer probably would have showed up and paid more and got a loan. But because, you know, people can't come and see the property right now, because lenders are pulling some of the loans, because you were able to offer a cash offer, you got the property accepted. You opened your escrow. This for you is a good thing. You just have to lean in and be able to see where the opportunity lies, right? My my wife and I just went on a walk yesterday and she's like, you know, I, I feel like this is a good thing because the world is slowing down and we can kind of look at the big picture and they, you know, and, and when things slow down, we can look at the big picture and see what the opportunities are. And now like us as a, uh, in real estate, we're able to go deeper into connection with our with the conversations we're having and be able to build rapport and be of service and build deeper and meaningful relationships with our clients, which, yeah, we may not see the results today or tomorrow, but long-term we're going to have these great relationships, which should 10 X our business. And again, we've been always looking for ways to build the community. You know, what better way to help build the community than to be of service to them. So if you can shift your perspective and it's not even, you know, 180 degrees, maybe just a little bit, you know, it's that uh, analogy of the, you know, fly trying to escape, you know, from the room and it kept on going up against, you know, the window where the door is open, you know, two feet over. If we can just, uh, you know, pivot our perspective, you know, there's great opportunities and that's what, you know, we are focusing right now on is as we pivot, you know, what are the opportunities that we need to go after right now? keep that positive mental attitude and all of that mental training and toughness that we've been uh, doing is, you know, use that. Now I, I understand that everybody has had that training and that mental toughness, which is fine, which is where you need on need to lean on the people that do not so much, you know, the negativity that's out there, the CNNs that are out there. And what I mean by that is the constant negative news. You know, we stopped watching the news a long time ago but people who, you know, are not making decisions and leading in fear, but those leading in positivity. Now, a lot of the information I'm getting is not all positive, right? I have family, I have doctors in my families, you know, and when they tell me, James, Easter is probably not a realistic time for us to go back to the way things were, then I can plan, right? Businesses, successful businesses can predict. In order to predict, you need to have information analytics. So what I've been doing, even with the mindset I have, has been leaning on those, you know, that have the information, that have the mental toughness, um, and are positive. No, I love that. And and I, I met with Mark Devine, a Navy SEAL, uh, a couple of years ago. And he his philosophy was one day, one lifetime, and that's literally what it is right now. And if you start with gratitude and say, hey, we are here today, 
let's make the best out of it. I think that's a very good place to start. And when when this creeps into your mind, just go into action. I know a lot of people, most people are at home right now and they're not able to even go out. But like I have a stack of books that I haven't had time to read. I have there's so much you can do instead of worrying, right? So there's they're saying, are you a worrier or your warrior? But how how do we get there? Like what what else? What else do we? What else do you do on a on a daily basis, or I mean, hour by hour? Because you, all of a sudden, you feel good, and then there's a fire. Like, what do you well, do on those small moments? Well, you've already said it, right? It's being in action, doing the right next right indicated action, and staying out of the results. If I if I shared my screen with you, you would see that on my schedule, it is completely full, right? My mentor. Tom Ferry wrote a great book called Life by Design. And basically, if there's any, if you open up your calendar right now, right, how much white space, how much blank space will you see in your calendar, right? And if that's a majority of your calendar, what he coaches is you're living a life by default, whatever's coming at you. And right now, what's coming at you is a ton of negativity. Whereas if you look at my calendar, it's completely planned. So I don't have time to think negative, right? It's one thing after another, after another, after another. I'm meeting, you know, scheduling Zoom calls with clients. I'm scheduling Zoom calls with my team. I'm on uh, webinars learning about, you know, what's going on in the real estate market. I'm, you know, constantly in action. And if I'm constantly in action, I don't have time for the fear to creep in. And then Peter, it's like, it's like working out, right? How do you feel when you get your ass out of bed and you go to the gym and work, you know, really work out for an hour, right? The endorphins are going and it's pumping. You feel good about yourself versus how do you feel when you hit the snooze button? And when you hit the snooze button, what you're really doing is hitting snooze on your life. Skip the gym and then wake up, right? They're two totally different mentalities and you feel totally different about yourself. And if you suit up and you show up and you take action and you go to the gym on your life, right, and take those actions, naturally, you're just going to be feeling better and feeling more positive. And when that negativity comes at you, which it will, you're, you're able to be a warrior, you know, a warrior and fight it away instead of, you know, letting it inside your mind. Yeah. This week's guest is an entrepreneur real estate expert and co-host of the Netflix series, Stay Here. Born and raised in the UK, it was music that took him to Los Angeles. As a widely sought after music producer, working alongside the biggest names in music, including Pink, Sheryl Crow, George Michael, Christina Aguilera, and many more. He accumulated over 30 number one Billboard chart hits by his retirement from the music industry in 2003. On a quest for new business ventures, he began investing in the LA property market. Now, 15 plus years later, he and his company, PLG Estates, is one of the top real estate teams in Los Angeles. Let's welcome the incredible Peter Lorimer. Greetings. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. (laughs) Of course. And I'm glad we're here in your cool little office space uh, and gonna share your journey in the bunker in the, the bunk is that's what it's called the creative <laughs> churchill's bunker is, uh, yeah. is the kind of nickname <laughs> for it uh but this is 
you know, it's interesting when you when you use the word retire, I, I suddenly went, oh my God, that makes yeah. me sound very old. But, you know, yes, this is, this is what my friends have nicknamed Churchill's Bunker. This yeah. is my creative environment. And I think it was, everybody needs a space where they work the best, right? Yeah. And for me, my former career was, uh, I was a studio rat. I was a record producer just living and working alone in a box with no one. And so uh, it f- that feels the most familiar to me and it's the environment that I like because I have offices. Yeah. But I like to kind of just station myself here and have this as mission control. I love that. Uh, and of course, we're going to talk more about that. But I want to start with young Pete in England. Can you just share a little bit about where did you grow up and what was it that made you wanted to go into music? So... I, I grew up in um, the industrial north of England in a city called Leeds. And I grew up there. My formative years were in the 80s. And uh, music uh, escaping is, is, I guess, a big part of my story. And in where I grew up, it was, it was not a particularly, you know, glamorous area. It was working class people. And so escaping into music is something that I, I wanted to do. My, my father was a musician, um, uh, part-time. My brother played the trumpet and I'm like, okay, I'm going to kind of dive into music as well. And I did classical music for a while, the trombone, believe it or not. And I was pretty good at it. And I was given a free scholarship by the Royal College of Music at like 11 or 12 years old. I can't quite remember. But a really massive part of my story is when I discovered house music. Ooch, ooch, yeah. ooch. <laughs> how, how did you discover that? So it was about, it was the mid 80s. And um, I used to play the trombone in orchestras and, and the musicians were always older than me. And in Europe, you know, you grew up in Sweden. Um, uh, in Europe, back then, you didn't need to show ID. Yeah. And if you were 18 you were in the nightclubs. So at 14 and 15, I was in the nightclubs and there was this place in Leeds called The Warehouse, which unbeknownst to me at the time, the DJ was actually from Chicago and Chicago House was played in Leeds before it was kind of played anywhere else in the UK. And as soon as I heard that, ooch, 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 I'm like, that is what I want to do. Screw the trombone. I'm going to go off to London (laughs) And make house records, which I had no idea how to do it, but I dropped out of high school and just went off to London to seek my fortune in the music business and did not know a soul. Isn't um, that fucking crazy? Like how how one moment in life can change everything. And I'm I'm so grateful of meeting cool people like yourself and just having those moments when you know you're going to do something, but you don't have a clue yeah. what you're going to do. Can you just share, because I know you had that conversation with your mom, I think, and said like, hey, I'm going to start doing house music. Yeah. And what did they say? And like, Well, my parents, God bless them, they've both passed away now. But Sorry. they, uh, um, my mom, my, my dad was a disciplinarian, so he didn't really understand. He, he thought I was just a wild child. My mom... She got it. She knew that there was a burning desire within me. And she was nervous, but she didn't stop me. Yeah. And I was a child, essentially. I was a child leaving my 
the, the, the guardianship of my parents to go and seek my fortune in the big city of London, which when I think back to it now was, was super daunting, but I've had a few of those moments in my life. Another one was moving to the United States. Another one was leaving the music business and going into real estate. Another one was starting my own company and another one was, uh, was doing television. And, and they've all been moments of, I have no idea how this is going to work out, but I don't fear the result. And if it's failure, it's failure. And if it's success, it's success. And I've failed, you know, way more times than I've ever succeeded. But it's just the successes that people find out about. Yeah, it seems like uh, when, I'm, when I'm hearing a little bit more, like you were that guy correct me if I'm wrong, you were starting to dream very early on in your life, right? Music helped you and then you took that dream into reality. What do you think it was that made you have the courage to move from Leeds to London? Because I know you probably had a lot of friends who wanted to do the same thing but stuck around. Can you just talk about that? What do you think was that X factor, if you want? That's a great question, Peter. And I, and I think... You know, my father, God rest his soul, I remember him saying to me, he gave me great advice. My father was a, a, a college lecturer and he played the saxophone, right? It was a pretty good, it was a pretty good jazz sax player. And when he saw that I wanted to pursue music professionally, he said to me, you know, Peter, why don't you get good grades at school? And then why don't you play in bands at night like I did? And then you kind of got the best of both worlds. You've got security and then you've got your music. And I remember I could have been no more than about 13, maybe 14. And I looked at him in the eye and I said, Dad, I have nothing to lose right now. So if I don't go for it now, I am going to kick myself for the rest of my life because this is the opportunity in life when I can do it. And it wasn't so much the, the guts to do it. It was the fear of failure was not overpowering. If I failed okay, I don't really care. And, and moving to a big city, yeah, it's scary, but lots of people do it. And I didn't really think the path that I was taking was, was any more special really than anyone else. And having no fear, now, not in the sense of, of like, you know, a SWAT team bursting into a building with terrorists, that takes a different type of no fear. My no fear was I was happy with the consequences and I was happy with whatever way it worked out as long as I gave it my best shot. And that mentality has followed me into several industries. Yeah, it's, it's a great mentality. Do, do you remember where you learned that from? No, I think it's innate. Yeah. I think it was just inside. Yeah. Uh, I think it was one of those, you know, when kids were going up for like, you know, when you're in school and there's a talent competition, one kid's telling jokes, one kid's singing, one kid's, you know, reading some Shakespeare or, well, not Shakespeare, but <laughs> something. And, and there were m the majority of the kids who were afraid yeah. of looking bad. Yeah. I never really cared about that. Yeah. I never yeah. really cared about looking, I never really cared about getting judged yeah. by other people. Now I judge myself very hard. But being judged by others is something that's never really, never really fazed me. That's really cool. And I think like I'm a martial artist and what we see in martial arts when people start, there's different types of people. And one personality is, of course, 
like you, no fear, going in there, owning it. Even if they fail, they uh, come back. And then we have the other personal personality that is a little bit more fearful, more cautious. Uh, but if they're persistent, they can still learn. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's a cool that's a cool trait to have, right? And what do you want to say to people that don't have that trait? Like, how can they gain a little bit more confidence in going after what they want? So we might get into some big stuff today, yeah. Peter. We might yeah. get into some big stuff. Yeah. So over the years, my, my, my kind of philosophy on life has evolved. And I very much believe that I am not the master of my own destiny. I believe that I, it is my job to turn up and work as hard as I possibly can every single day. And then I keep myself out of the result which might seem counterintuitive. Committed to the process, unattached to the results? Correct. Okay. And that, to, to anyone who's out there listening, if you can grasp, and trust me, it took, took years for me to grasp this concept, that the only thing I'm responsible for is my action. The only thing I am responsible for is what effort I put into something. Whether, essentially, my responsibility begins and ends up to the point where I deliver the project. And then when I deliver the project to the public or to the world or whether it be a house or a TV show or a song or a record or whatever it is, once it's delivered, I must let go. And then it's up to the universe how far that goes. And my job then is to look at the next opportunity. Instead of being so invested in the results of, you know, I worked on albums where the artist was magnificent and the songs were incredible. And sometimes those albums never came out and it hurt, but I moved on. Yeah. And it's, I find that the, 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 one of the biggest downfalls for any young entrepreneur is being overly attached to the results. That doesn't mean we don't have goals. We have goals. We have ambition. But if the universe makes us turn left instead of turning right, we go left yeah. and see where it goes. Every time I, I, I met uh, you, Loida, uh, it, you always smile, you always seem happy, and you're uh, putting out so much positive energy. So I, I've been thinking about having you on the show for a while. And for people that don't know who Loida Velasquez is, she is the Wonder Woman of real estate. And what does that really mean? It means that she is not only working in real estate, she's actually empowering other people to, you know, go after their dreams. And she's also great at marketing. She have built up a YouTube channel with over 70,000 subscribers uh, by herself, which is super cool. She's empowering a lot of people out there uh, to go after their dreams. So I'm, I'm just super excited to have you. So welcome to the I Love Success podcast, Loida Velasquez. Yes, thank you, Peter. I'm so excited to finally be able to do this with you. So I'm glad that that we finally are connecting. Yeah, we made it happen. And 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 I'm curious, Loida. Loida's little girl, like, wh what were you about? What were you dreaming about when you were when you were a little girl? So when I was a little girl, growing up, I'm still I'm an only child. So my parents had me 10 years after they were married. My mom couldn't have kids. So I was kind of like this miracle child that was born. Um, I was always very into myself growing up. 
I had my friends. I remember vividly being in elementary school, in middle school. Spanish was my first language. So I was put in, in the bilingual class where the kids didn't know English. So even being in that type of environment, sometimes I felt like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'm not enough or I'm not good enough because I don't know English or I don't know it well. So I kind of want to say that growing up, I was kind of introverted. I was shy. I didn't like to speak in public. The complete opposite to what I am now. Now I'm putting out videos on YouTube. I'm not afraid of speaking in front of large crowds. But I think um, just everything that I went through when I was younger helped me to become the person that I am now. And then that's kind of how, um, you know, I've always seen myself as someone that could achieve anything that they would set their mind to. And I very much believed in myself and thank God I had my family that was very supportive. And that's kind of what has pushed me to, you know, continue doing what I'm doing and just not be afraid of just putting myself out there. That's amazing that you had so many positive people around you. And I mean, I feel, I feel so lucky now because I'm around a lot of positive people in my life that want to help me. But I, I had, there were times, you know, where I had friends around me that was kind of discourage, discouraging my dreams because I always had had big dreams. And I was too, at that time, I, I think my confidence was too low for me to, you know, to shut them out of my life. So I, but I was still not as weak. So I didn't go after it. I just didn't tell them. But how do you, like, have you been in those situations where you've been around people that are not believing in you? And like, how do you handle that? Because there might be people listening here that are from, you know, a small town, Tacoma, or I, I don't know, or a small village somewhere. And people are like, hey, you, it, your dream sounds good, but you're, you got to go and milk the cow right now. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have had those people. Um, even my circle of friends from when I was in college up until now, it's completely different. And over time, as I have continued to grow in my business and mentally and and just what I want my outlook in life to be, I've seen people kind of weed out and go their separate ways because many of them, it's their mindset is at at a completely different level compared Mm -hmm. to mine. Um, what I think my goals are and what I want to achieve is something that for an average person might be like, Lloyd is crazy. Like, how is she going to get there? But for me, I know that that I can get there and it's not something for everyone. So um, I have had those friends that now are just kind of acquaintances that are just there. We talk here and there, but it's not like I go out of my way to hang out just because when it has happened that we do get together the energies, just like you mentioned, it's completely different. I, I feel negativity or they always focus on the negative, like, oh, I can't do it because, because X, Y, Z reason. And they're always giving excuses. Yeah. And, and there's something that I like to say, you can either make excuses or make money. Yeah. <laughs> and in this business, I'd rather do the opposite. I don't want to yeah. hear excuses. It's like, if you have an excuse, how are we going to resolve it? Let's think of a solution. Yeah. So for those that are listening that might have people that maybe are not in the same um, type of mindset or beliefs in, in what they want to do, I would say at the end of the, of the at the end of the day, you have to really figure out who you want in your life. If they're not uplifting you or supporting you 
to, to allow you to get to where you want to be, then you have to make a decision on how much you want them in your life or maybe completely out. Yeah. And talking about, about you and who you are, like how are who are you, who is Loida when you're by yourself? Loida by herself is someone that likes to think a lot. Just in general, I'm I'm a big observer. Yeah. So I like to see, I'm a big, sometimes I, I feel like I overanalyze things, but I'm very detailed oriented. When I want to do something, I write it down. I set some goals. I set some timelines. Um, and I'm just a very driven, self-driven person and committed in whatever it is that I want to do. Yeah, I like that. And I think one thing that I've noticed in my life is that I'm very self-motivated. And I think a lot of people that achieve good results, they they are self-motivated. They find ways of, you know, getting shit done. And and I don't know if you get this, but I, a lot of times I, I have people asking me like, how do you stay motivated? How do you like it? For me, I, I don't know. It, it's almost a ridiculous question because I just do it. Even if I'm, I don't feel motivated. And I think, I think that's the difference between the amateur and the pro, right? And, and for, for everything, a lot of people are amateurs in everything they do. They want to reach the next level, but as soon as it, it's a little bit tough, they are waiting for someone else to kind of push them over that ledge. But sometimes you have to be that person for yourself. What, what do you, what do you think? Uh, no, how should I say this? Like, why, what do you think you do to be self-motivated? Are there some specific things that you do to stay on target, even when it does, when it isn't fun, you know? I like to focus on my end goal. Yeah. whatever that is for me at that moment, whether it's um, how I want to help my family, how I want to live, things that I want to achieve. When I, I have it written down and in a picture, that's kind of what pushes me because I know that if I don't do what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm either going to let my family down, I'm going to let myself down. And even though I may not want to, for example, make the calls for when yeah. I'm working in real estate because I know people are going to yell at me or reject me. I know that at the end of the day, I have to do it because no one else is going to do it for me. And that's what makes me be self-motivated because at the end of the day, I chose to be doing what I'm doing and and be an entrepreneur and a business owner. And if it means me doing something that maybe I'm dreading to do in that moment, but it's going to get me to where I want to go, then I'm just going to push through it. No excuses. I like it. And where do you find... You know, life, we, we work to create a beautiful life, right? And, and how, how do you manage to, you know, have lots of output, right? You do a lot of things with great results, but uh, also have fun and, and, and enjoy the fruits of your labor. How, how do you work with that? Because I know a lot of people are going to say right now, this is great, but I don't want to work that much. But I don't think that's correct. I think that people you can work really hard and also have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. I think at the end of the day, you have to also know how to prioritize your time and you know when when you want to take that time off to go on vacation yeah. or when it's just strictly to work. It's not like we work 24-7, but at the same time, I feel that 
if you are doing what you love, even when you're out on vacation, you're always thinking of like the next idea. Cause that's how I feel. Even when I have like days off, I'm thinking, okay, well, what is the next thing that I can work on? What is something else that I can create? What is a new video I can release? So that's just automatically how my brain works. Perhaps someone else might be like, today, I do not want to think about work. And that's how they are. But ultimately, I think if you're happy doing what you're doing, you're going to find the time also to to maybe do self-care and and go on vacation or whatever it is that you want to do. Today, we have a really cool guy here. His name is Jeremy. I think I got that right. Cleven. And I mean, he's built an incredible real estate business, uh, one of the top growing and fastest growing companies in the country, actually. And I'm just excited to share his journey and his mindset and what what it is that makes him grow as a human being and also help others grow. So Jeremy Cleveland, welcome to the I Love Success podcast. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, I love success as well. Uh, awesome. We've never made it though. We're not success yet, but we'll, uh, we're on our way. But first and foremost, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. And yeah, let's let's dig right into success. Uh, what what I'm trying to do here is to redefine the concept of success, and because I know it's different for everyone. Can you just talk about like what is what is success for you look like? You know, um, I think that there are so many different ways to kind of skin that in terms of what success is to me. And that's definitely a loaded question. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, I, I look at freedom is, is really my my big thing. Right. The freedom to kind of do what I want, when I want, how I want and, uh, you know, spend the time with my family and my kids and uh, help them become better people. And, uh, you know, ultimately creating a business that's uh, you can step away from. And, you know, when we talk about this real estate industry, there's only a few ways to be successful. We can get into some of that stuff maybe uh, later here, but um, uh, there's there's uh, a point where we have to hopefully create a business that we can step away from, uh, you know, 30, 60 days potentially, and the business still operates. So, um, you know, we thankfully have reached that point where we have a great team, an incredible staff, uh, almost 3,000 agents out there doing a tremendous amount of business. And so thankfully, humbly, uh, I am able to step back if I so choose. Not that I want to, not that I will. Um, we're very hungry. We're very driven and committed. And uh, we're in the trenches right by side by side with our agents and side by side with our staff. But uh, again, thankfully, humbly, I, I can step away, um, you know, and, and the business still operates, the machine still operates. And so uh, that to me is is a level of, of success, and thankfully, this business has been really, really good to us, and uh, created us a, um, some freedom, right? To, like I said, some freedom to do what we want when we want, and uh, uh, like I said, you know, build build up the people around us. Um, that to me is also a success: is to build uh, others, build our staff, help them become better people, better professionals. And uh, like I said, be able to spend that time with with the, those that are important to us, right? We all know life is too short. So uh, if we don't if we don't uh, spend the time with the ones we love, you know that's that's not a success. So thankfully we're able to do that. So yeah, and uh, let's let's take it from the beginning. Like Jeremy, what what were you dreaming of when you were a kid, and how how did you get into you know real estate, which is for many people like a second or third career? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I'm very surprised to report to you that I'm not currently pitching 
uh, in the major leagues, um, you know, which might come as a surprise to some, <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, I, uh, I didn't necessarily, uh, dream of, of being in real estate and, uh, I didn't grow up saying, you know, I want to be a, a realtor or an agent, or I want to be a broker owner or start a brokerage or, or grow, a, you know, a brokerage. Um, you know, I, I jumped into this business when I was 21 years old for really, uh, didn't really have any other option. I wasn't doing so well at the school thing, uh, the, the, the college thing. Uh, so I grabbed my business, who's my current business partner and, you know, my best friend, my, my right hand, um, you know, Mark. And, uh, when I was 21 years old and I said, Hey man, what do you think about going to get our real estate license? Next thing we knew we're jumping in the business. We're going hundred miles an hour, holding open houses, picking up clients. And we just started working it. And, uh, and, you know, I, I needed at the time, uh, not that we all don't now, but I needed really to, to, to make some income and to make some money. So I, I just, there's one thing I always knew, and there's one thing that we still do to this day. And I believe it continues to set us apart. And that is work hard. Um, we absolutely are, are extremely committed. Uh, we work hard. We have, I think, tremendous work ethic and sacrifice. And so we, we dove both feet into this business, uh, at 21 years old, we ended up starting the brokerage at 25, uh, about age 25. Uh, but we didn't really start on this path, uh, until about 2012, uh, where we decided, um, you know, for many, many years, we were, we were just basically a, a real estate team in the form of a brokerage or a brokerage in the form of a real estate team, depending on how you want to look at it. But it was 2012 where we decided to rebirth ourselves and started on this path that we're on currently, uh, and that is to, you know, surround ourselves with top producing agents and teams and quality individuals that want to take care of the community and do good business. So, um, like I said, I didn't have a dream to necessarily get into the real estate industry. I saw this as a vehicle um, to get, like you just said, to get that level of, of success and income and, and grow. And like I said, we started in 2012. Uh, that first year we brought on, you know, 37 agents, you know, that first year. Uh, again, thankfully, humbly right now, we're bringing on, you know, over hundred agents a month or are, are, are choosing, you know, my home group as, as their home. Uh, we did, a, you know, 11 million in total sales in 2012. Uh, it was just, again, just us and our team. Uh, you know, we did 600 million just met last month alone. Uh, you know, we're on, on track, depending on how things shake, shake up on track to, to do north of, you know, uh, 6 billion, potentially might approach 7 billion this year. So it's been a wild ride. And uh, we've just been working hard uh, all along. Yeah, Jeremy, I'm I'm a little bit uh, um, curious because on my first show I had an Olympian. He's out actually from Tucson, Arizona, originally. Sky Christopherson. Um, it was a very good uh, biker, and he said almost everyone successful are either running away from something or chasing something, or maybe even a combination of both. Uh, uh, so which one do you think you are and, and, and why? I think we're running towards something. Um, and, and I, I, I think that that's a great point that he, that he said, right. And, um, I would spin that to, you know, uh, making the choice for opportunity, you know, making the choice. Um, I think it's so important how we view things, um, how we view life, um, we've all probably heard of things don't happen to us. They happen for us. Um, I love the quick story I want to share with you guys. If you, if, I don't know if you've heard this one, but you know, there's two twin brothers that grew up in a household with an alcoholic father. 
And, you know, uh, one turns out to be very, very successful. And one turns out to also be an alcoholic and not, not very successful at all. And so they're being, you know, asked the question on the gentleman that, that, you know, is an alcoholic and, and, and not successful and not doing very well in life. And they, they ask him, you know, why, why do you think you're at this point in your life? And he says, well, you know, it's because I grew up with an alcoholic father and it's all I knew, you know, and, and, and then they go to the other brother that's, that's, you know, doing well in life and has a family and has some success. And they said, you know, you know, why do you think that you're at this point in your life? And he says, well, it's because I grew up with an alcoholic father. Right. And so, you know, two people in the same household experiencing the same thing. We have a choice on how we want to look at that. We have a choice on how it's going to affect us in a positive way or a negative way, right? We're, for, we're, we're, we're faced with choices every single day. So, um, you know, it's, it's deciding, making that choice on how we want to look at things and how we're going to go forward. So for us, um, you know, we're, we're chasing that ultimate freedom. You know, we, we're chasing, um, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the future of, of, of this industry. We're chasing the, the, you know, the opportunity to grow, um, one of the most elite brokerages in the entire country. We're chasing, you know, having the most top producing agents and the most top producing teams and the best quality individuals, like I said, that want to do good business and want to take care of the community. Um, you know, we want all those things. So I think that we'd, I'd say that we're, we're, we're chasing, uh, productivity and positivity. I mean, and, and when does this end? Like, uh, how, how big do you guys want to be? Um, I don't know that it ever ends. You know, I don't think that we're not going to ever be at a place where, uh, we've said, okay, we've made it, you know, and, uh, we've never, we'll never arrive. Uh, I think that there'll always be that next, um, that next challenge, that next hurdle, uh, that we're, that we're trying to, to, to get to and trying to achieve. And, um, uh, not that we can't be uh, satisfied with where we're at. We're very, very happy. We're very uh, proud of what we've done to this point. Like I said, um, you know, six, possibly uh, approach seven billion in sales. We're uh, going to do twenty plus uh, twenty thousand uh, transactions this year. Uh, we're in nine states. We have almost three thousand agents. Um, you know, we have a lot of really, really good things going on. And so sometimes, yeah, we sit back and we high five each other and say, Hey, look, look how far we've come. Right. It, it, it is pretty fantastic. It is pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in some rare air right now. Um, you know, recently awarded by real trends, um, as number 28 in the entire country for, for transaction sites and number 36 in the entire country for, uh, for, uh, sales volume. So, I mean, that's huge, right? I mean, so much to be proud, proud of. We're so proud of our staff. We're so proud of the people that we're surrounding ourselves with, the agents and the and the teams and the incredible people that we have around us. And so, yeah, we absolutely high five and say, "Look how far we've come." But uh, you never can you never can uh, make it, so to speak, or you never can arrive, so to speak. So, um, you know, we're hungry, we're committed, we want to keep growing, and we want to keep getting to that next level. And I think that that's a trait that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and, and some successful people out there, not that we're successful yet, but I'm hoping to be, I'm coming on shows like yours so that I can just, you know, get the, get the, uh, the energy here of the success and what it tastes like and, <laughs> and whatnot, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah. uh, I think that we're going to continue to be driven. You know, the other thing real quick is, um, you know, uh, when's the, when's the, the, the right time to sell a successful business? You know, I could argue that that time is never right. And, and again, if I'm if I'm able to uh, to have the freedom of of laying over there in your neck of the woods on the beach, yeah. while the machine is continuing to grow and churn, then that's a pretty special place to be. Yeah. 
This show is going to be incredible because I have Brian Casella here. He's a former basketball pro player. He's an entrepreneur, a real estate agent. He's good at sales. He's just have a cool personality and want to live the best life. So we're going to talk mindset. We're going to talk goal settings and just living the best life. So welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. And if any of the listeners are having issues with the name, yeah. I kind of created as PJ. You PJ, know, yeah. Like everyone calls me BC. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same kind of thing if they're having any issues. Just a recommendation. <laughs> yeah, right? that's awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah, changing man. all my social media. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, thanks for having yeah. me. You know, um, I enjoyed your show. You know, I listened to it and you have a really good um, concept here too. You know, yeah. and it's very just raw and open. That's what I like about it versus yeah. having too much structure. Sometimes I feel when we just let it flow, it's much better as yeah. far as getting the information out, you know? So thanks for having me. No, of course, I, I agree. And I, I just remember the, the first episode we did, check, check that out. Guys, if you wanna hear more about uh, Brian's story, today we're gonna dig right in. But one thing that I remember when we did this was almost like, you know, I'm a fighter yeah. and the best, uh, people to spar with is the people that respond immediately what you say. Right. And I, I, I really felt there was kind of like a sparring match because everything I said, you just, boom, hit me with yeah. awesome shit. So yeah. uh, it's been a year. What has happened in, in your life during this year? Man, so much, you know, it's <laughs> tough to answer that. Uh, we've done a lot, man. My team has expanded. Obviously our production has gone up. Uh, my social media has been booming a lot. I've been doing a lot more traveling and speaking as well. Um, I joined two years ago, I joined EXP Realty, which is a new real estate company that started uh, about three or four years ago. Um, and I've really actively been recruiting a lot as well because I have part ownership in the company. So obviously if I bring in agents who produce, it makes sense for them and it makes sense for me. So that's a new revenue stream for me. I've invested in some stocks in the company as well. So I have a new investment portfolio. Um, we're starting, as you saw the teaser for our uh, Team BC reality show, which is awesome, man. And everything has just been rocking and rolling. My coaching program, I have over 300 members now. I think last year I probably had 150, 200. So that's rocking and rolling. We're doing live events now that I host, yeah. right? Um, so really everything has just been blowing up, man. My personal journey as far as mindset and some of those things we're gonna talk about has yeah. really evolved. And overall, I just think uh, if we're gonna refer to a flower, I've been blossoming more. So I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. That's awesome. And I know it's, it's all great, you're moving forward. Do you wanna share during this last year a tough moment and how you dealt with, with that uh, as far as mindset? Yeah, well one of the biggest growths for me the last year, uh, Pete, was I have a tremendous amount now, especially compared to you know a year or two ago, I have a lot more compassion for people because you know, whenever you put yourself out there, uh, whether you have a social media following or not, whenever you're doing something that you're considered a trailblazer for, like let's say your family never started a business and you're like, hey, I'm gonna start a business. I'm gonna be the first one in our family to start a business. That gets welcomed with a lot of criticism. So as much as people wanna see you succeed, they also don't wanna see you succeed. So we see a lot of jealousy and hatred and, and critiques from people who supposedly are in our circle that are supposed to support us, right? But on top of that now, you add the element that if I put that on Facebook, the whole world can see it. So one of the biggest breakthroughs for me the last year was since my following, my attention levels have gone up by virtue of the numbers going up, I'm getting more criticism and hate. But there was a huge shift this last year to where now 
it doesn't have an effect on me like it used to. I don't want to say anything back. I look at everybody differently now and I see it as an opportunity to either learn something myself or maybe get in a communication with the individual and teach them something. Because maybe they're not even aware of their behavior. Maybe they're not aware of some of these uh, p pieces, we can say, of communication that I've learned and how what we put out is what we get, right? Because we just simply are patterned as human beings. If we had a pattern of always being yelled at by our parents, we think when we get in a leadership position or we become a parent that we're supposed to yell at our kids unless we study and learn. So that's been the biggest breakthrough for me, man. And it's been incredible because from a personal fulfillment standpoint, I've skyrocketed because now I never really create that negative energy or, or kind of hatred for people. It's almost just compassion, gratitude, and not that I'm, people confuse that with being soft, yeah. right? And you're a fighter, you know, but you don't have to always, you know, the lion isn't always walking around like that. He turns on when he needs to turn on, yeah. right? But most of the time he's walking around relaxed. So it gives me a lot more sense of being more cause in my life versus being the effect. When you're responding to people, you're always the effect in being reactive. But we know you're more productive, you're more happy when you're cause versus being the effect. I love that. What does BC do on days when you don't feel like waking up, you don't feel like uh, having uh, an audience that watches you or going to meetings and doing business? How do you pick yourself up in those moments? Great question. Uh, there's a lot that I do. One of the things I always preach to people, and, and we know this as a fact, is you got to have power players around you. You know, who you, who you keep as company tells me a lot about you. I could do something as simple as call you or call somebody else that I know who is normally on their game. And just a quick conversation with them will, will lift me. As far as uh, personally, I have a lot of rituals that I do. Before every speech that I do, I'll go to the bathroom or maybe go behind stage if I'm on a stage. And for one minute, I take myself through visualizations of me pretending to be an emperor back in maybe the Roman days and talking in front of you know, a million people and having that, that status of, okay, this is our leader. He's gonna come out and give the speech for you know, the next thing that's gonna happen, right? The revolution or whatever. And that, that imagery, that emotion, it immediately shifts my mood. Now, being backstage and not wanting to do that speech, all of a sudden in one minute turns into, let's go. Yeah. I'm going out there like a Spartan, you know what I mean? Like I'm ready to go. If there's a million people here or 10 people, they're gonna get the best speech ever. So it's a simple trick and ritual, right? A lot of that stuff I learned in NLP. Little techniques that you do to anchor certain emotions or be able to very rapidly change your state. And the last thing I do is I check my physiology, my body language. When we tend to be low energy or not feeling good, we tend to slouch, you know, we're not smiling. Um, and, and there's a lot of indicators physically. So if we simply just sit up straight, you'll start to feel better. Right? So those are some of the little tricks that I do because we all have days that we're off. Yeah. It's just what do you, what's your reaction to it? Do you get deeper into it or do you counter it and move forward? Awesome. Yeah. And uh, in your coaching program, Modern Success, you, you also work with a lot of young real estate agents, entrepreneurs yeah. who a lot of times maybe lack, you know, confidence. And I'm, I'm talking about real confidence because acting right. cocky yeah. and being <laughs> a mouse is not the same as being a lion just chilling in the sun, right? Right, right, right. So what, what do you want to say to those people here mm -hmm. now that have, have a big goal, big dream, but mm -hmm. they lack confidence? You know, I found my confidence initially because um, I, I hear that question a lot. You know, it's a regular thing. 
So let's rewind to me being in real estate as an example. I found my confidence initially by saying, you know, I don't have these advantages, right? I'm not older. I don't have experience. I was borrowing my dad's suit at the time, his jacket. So the sleeves were like to here because he's a little <laughs> bit shorter than me. Uh, my pants were too high, right? I had everything working against me. But I said, okay, um, I'm working on my mindset, right? But that's going to take time. What's a practical way that I can start to build confidence? And I said, well, I need to know what that thing is that I want confidence in. So this is sales. I'm going to be sitting with the customer and meeting with the customer. I need to know what to say. So when they have a conversation with me, regardless of all those other things, when you have a conversation with somebody, all that disappears in my field. So if I can be lethal with my words and my conversations, that will give me time to catch everything else up. But in those moments, they're going to say, wow, Brian's good. Now that's still going to take time too, but that's the one thing I can focus on that I have control. So that's what I looked at. What do I have control of? So I got my script books, right? I started following agents and listening to them with customers and watching. I started reading my scripts, do hours a day. After a week, I had every script and they gave us 20 scripts. I had them all memorized. You could call me at three in the morning. Hey, what's line five on script number six? And I would tell you like that. That is what gave me that confidence. So to those entrepreneurs, there is a skill or something in your control in that field that you're in that if you master that through your own effort, that will give you that initial confidence. Not all of it, but enough to get you going that then will get you that first sale that then will start breeding that confidence. Okay, now I'm getting experience. Now you get the swagger, like they say, you get a little bit more, but that's all I focused on because you have what you can't control, which is all those things that people focus on. I'm too young. I have braces. I don't have a suit, right? No one's going to trust me. I don't have a network. I have no sales experience. That's how everybody talks to themselves. But what can we control? I could control my effort in studying and perfecting my craft. And that's all I did. And within weeks, people are like, who's this kid? I'm walking around with my chest up. Like because I bred that confidence in myself with my hard work. The question is, is are you dedicated enough to do that? Because it's not fun, people make fun of me. Oh, you robot, you're just learning the scripts, da 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 But within a couple of weeks, they're like, hey, what are you doing? How are you getting these sales? You're new, I've been in the business five years and I can't get one, what are you doing? Well, it's this, the boring work that nobody wants to do, right? That, that was the focus for me, man, and that's how I build that initial foundation of confidence.